0: um it's in colossians chapter 1 and verse 11 we pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and the patience you need may you be filled with joy always thanking the father he has enabled you to share his inheritance that belongs to the people who live in the light For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And farther up, actually, I should have read from 9. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And when you're praying for somebody or when you're praying for yourself, that's what you need to pray for. Lord, with that, Father God, I ask you to let me know what your will is and that you would give me spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then, you see, there's a a result of that or a repercussion. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. God is always looking for fruit. He's looking for good fruit. And um, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And so, as we learn to know the Lord, we are growing spiritually. And our spiritual uh, life affects every other part of our life. And that's why, if you flick over there to 3 John, verse 2, um, John's epistle, his letter that he wrote before the book of Revelation, and it's just the third little letter, it's very short, and in verse 2 it says, Beloved, I pray above all else that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul is prospering. And so that word prosper there, it means to have complete peace in every area. Perhaps the culture has has translated prosperity to only mean financial. And that's not what it means. The word prosperity here is 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 this huge word. It means complete peace in every area, in your in your health, in your mental health, in your well-being, in your relationships, in your finances, in your job, in your children. Complete peace. And so he says, I pray above all else that you would prosper and be in health, good health, even as your soul prospers. So to the extent that your soul is prospering every other area of your life will fall into alignment and will come into correct order and that's why we study the Bible, it's why we study the word of God because by studying the word of God our mind is being renewed and our soul is being, our soul is our, our mind, our emotions our feelings, all of that, that area, the, the nefesh it's, the word soul in the Bible is translated as nefesh and it means the, the inner person And, uh, you know, your soul and your spirit, we have been made in the image and likeness of God, and he is, uh, you know, a three-part being, and we are. We have a physical body, which we walk on this earth with, which one day will die, and then our spirit and our soul go on to be with the Lord forever. Mm -hmm. And so... Our soul is the area of our life that really... And you know yourself that when you're going through situations and it's your emotions that can get out of control. It's your emotions that that can can lead into all kinds of problems. So the Lord says that as you, as your soul is prospering, as you feed your spirit and as your soul is is stabilizing through the power of the Word of God and His Spirit in you, what happens is every other part of your life will fall into... Correct order as well, and that is such a you know, such a truth. And um, so, what God is looking for, what the Lord's looking for, is fruit. And uh, because Jesus said, By their fruits, you'll know them. And you know, this that you meet people and they come into your presence, or come into the room, or come to work, or maybe they're in your family. Uh, and when they come in it's like all hell breaks loose and they're just like they take your peace and there's just like tormentation and all kinds of things and then there's others and you know when you see their car driving up you go yay they're here and you know it's just uh, a real blessing to be with them well that's because there's fruit being produced by that particular person's life and Jesus said by their fruits you'll know them and so, how you how you test uh, and know uh, you know the character uh, and nature of a person is is by the fruit they're producing, and it's the same with us. God is looking at us to see what kind of fruit we're producing, and um, if you just want to have a look at uh, John chapter fifteen, John's Gospel. If it's a bit warm there. Uh, um, Catherine, maybe you could turn down the dial. I don't know if you feel it's too warm in here. You can. There's a dial behind you there on the wall. You can turn it down. Into the, in John's Gospel, chapter 15... Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. And you know that if you've got a garden, and that during the winter, you know, if you prune back shrubs and roses and trees, and what happens is, is that it causes them to even... Uh, become more luxuriant and to grow more and to produce more fruit. And so Jesus always used analogies that people can understand. He's not actually saying that He's an actual vine, uh, you know, but He's saying that all life, He's the source of life, and all life comes from Him. And uh, you are already clean because of the word which I've given you, the teaching which I've discussed with you. So the word of God. Uh, you know, it cleans up our lives and it, it, it causes us to be clean before God because once we understand what, what's written in God's Word and what Jesus did for us at the cross, Jesus is the Word of God. So once we understand Jesus and what He did for us at the cross, we are, you know, that we can be partakers of His righteousness, that He is exchanged at the cross. The cross was the place of exchange where He gave us His righteousness his right standing with God, his holiness, and he took our sin. And, you know, that above all else should make us rejoice, you know. I don't have to do anything to pay for my sin because I could never do anything to pay for my sin. And so many people are going around oppressed and depressed in life because they have been taught that they have to do something to make God like them. They have to pay in some way for some of the stuff that they have done. And it's, it's, it's a, a teaching that's out there, and it's a false teaching that you have to burn somewhere to, for a while to pay for your sins. That's, that's you know, what God called that is self righteousness. And he spoke about it in Isaiah chapter 60, 65. Um, and he said, it's like hitting God in the face with a filthy dish rag. He said, your acts of righteousness are like smacking God. You know, with the dirty dish rag that you've you know, you just cleaned the whole kitchen or washed the floors with. That you're just suddenly trying to throw that in God's face because you're, you're not taking what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we have to be washed and cleansed. And that's what the word of God does. He mm-hmm. washes us with his word. Mm-hmm. So he says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say, remain in me. Remain in my love and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself. Without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit uh, unless you remain in me. Um, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So as we spend time with the Lord, as we get to know him, just like we read in Colossians, as you get to know him you will grow more and more and that's what Jesus is reiterating here that as we spend time with him as we talk to him you know, um, and, and just just like the way you talk to your friend just like the way you talk to your spouse well, unless that <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when you talk nice to your spouse like that is you yeah. <laughs> know. Um, But uh, you know that when you talk to your friends, you talk freely. You talk. You know you're you're encouraging each other. You're listening. You're you're communicating. You're you're loving spending time with them. And that's what the Lord wants us to do: is just to spend time with Him in His Word. And what happens is is that we get transformed uh, by that time with Him, and (coughs) we start to produce fruit. Things change in our lives. But if you know. If you're not cracking open the Bible and if you're not studying the Word of God, you're not going to grow. There's going to be no change. And many people, you know, they're praying faithfully with years and years and they're seeing no changes. It's because, you know, they're they're not praying with knowledge. And what the Lord spoke to us is, is that we have to speak his word to him. And that's why we need to know his word. And his word transforms and changes, not just... Our, our physical lives our mental lives our emotional lives but it changes the way we look and view the world amen, amen. so uh, you're all really quiet here today <laughs> just shake yourself up a little bit there <laughs> okay anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers and dies And you see, that's what separation from God does, is it causes people to to be withered and to to have failure and all kinds of of problems because they're not attached to the vine and they're not getting that source of life, that living water. Amen. Amen. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. so in the same way that the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us and so you know later on in John seventeen he he, he, he expounds that and he says, uh, you know God in me, me in you, and you in me that this is that that card of agreement, that unity and that relationship that has come. Uh, through the blood of Jesus. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Turn around and tell them, tell your neighbor. He loves you as the Father loves him. He loves you as the Father loves him. As the Father loves Jesus, he loves you. Yeah. There's no difference. Amen. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments. Do you see that? Jesus obeyed the Father's commandments and he remained in his love. And what that means, I like it in the Amplified, actually. Um, That's verse 10. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. You know, this is where works and where self-righteousness and religious activities come from because people are not sure whether they're right with God. And whether God really loves them or whether he could love them because, you know, of something perhaps that's wrong with them or something that happened long ago where there's a, a you know, a a contamination or a defilement by sin or by, by something that happened to them, maybe they were abused uh, that causes an enormous shame to come on people, and it fi- they find it very difficult to receive the love of God that God could love them. And that's what He's saying here: if you remain in My love, that means that you do not doubt Jesus's love for you. Amen. So turn around again and say, "Do not doubt <laughs> <laughs> that Jesus loves you." Yeah. Yes, He does. Yes, he loves he does. you. Yeah. Get yeah. okay, yeah. boot out the doubt. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, it's very important. If you keep my commandments and obey my teachings, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus, thanks John, good idea, getting a bit hot. So Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus could not let doubt or unbelief uh, come into his heart, and we can't either. We have to guard our hearts against it, because it's how the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the first ways he'll do it is by uh, bringing in doubt and unbelief that you're not good enough, you're not right, you didn't come from the right background, you, 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 know, you were involved with stuff in the past or, or this was done to you or whatever. And it causes people to have inferiority and low self-esteem uh, uh, with their relationship with God and that robs them of that joy of of having his presence uh, unveiled to them and and having that relationship where they can be successful and and see breakthrough and see healing and deliverance. And that's what the difference is. You really need to boot out doubt. Um, So in uh, that verse 10, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Imagine that. The God of heaven, the God who created the sun, the moon, and the stars. The God who created the trees, the animals, who created all life on this earth. He chose you. In Psalm 139, it says, he chose you even before you were in your mother's womb. He knitted you together. He created you. He embroidered all those things, you know, the color of your eyes, the the freckles on your face, the shape of your nose. The, the point on your chin. He he put all this together because he loves you. And you are his creation. Amen. He chose you. Amen. Yeah, this should be react, uh, getting oh, a better yeah. reaction than this. is. <laughs> 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 you know, I've chosen. We sing it, you know. Uh, I'm chosen, uh, that song, Who You Say I Am. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, and it's a song that we should listen to a lot because it... it it changes the way we look at ourselves and the way we think about ourselves, and it would change the way we look at other people as well. And you know, most of the world's conflict uh, is because people are totally caught up in themselves and have no knowledge of God. Because if they had knowledge of God, they wouldn't be doing the things they do to other, to, to man, you know, man wouldn't be so cruel to man, and uh, there would be no wars, there would be no abuse, there would be no uh, murders and no no. Uh, sin and, and all kinds of evil that's going on in the world. If only people knew that God had chosen each one of us Amen. Amen. And, and made us and brought us onto this earth for such a time as this. Amen. 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 You didn't choose me; I chose you, and I appointed you. What has He appointed you to do? That's that's important. You know, people get appointed uh, in positions at work, um, in in companies. There's, there's appointments uh, where, where somebody is appointed for a, spe- a special job. And, and God has appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Fruit that remains. What's fruit that remains? You know, it's fruit that keeps on producing. Keeps on producing. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other so that we can come to the father in the name of jesus through the blood that he shed for us on the cross sure we are sinners we have been sinners we have been involved in all kinds of things we have you know a sin nature in fact that has been handed down from adam But that sin has already been paid for at the cross by the blood of Jesus. And, you know, when Jesus explained to people in John chapter 6 that you need to eat. Can you just turn there, actually? In John's gospel, chapter 6. in John 6:56 anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him we already just read there in John 15 remain in me so why is this so important to to Jesus that we need to stay connected with him he said i am the vine you are the branches so the vine produces these branches the tree Uh, extends itself out and these branches grow and it's on the branches that the fruit is you know and the branches only produce fruit as long as they are attached to the vine and so here he says anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him I live because of the living father who sent me in the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. And, you know, I just did a study there on that scripture in John 6, 56. Anyone who eats my flesh. That word (coughs) eat there is, um, you know, and many people, we we break bread here uh, and, and celebrate the Lord's Supper communion with each other and with the Lord and what communion is is it's not an empty religious ritual it's the high point of our faith in Jesus Christ where the revelation of what Jesus was doing on the cross uh, is is, uh, remembered that's why he said do this in remembrance of me he said when you take the bread you're taking my body now we're not eating Jesus because if you read, you know, you need to read John 6 for yourself. It's quite a long chapter. And the people were horrified of what he was saying. Uh, they said, how could, because the Jews knew that to eat flesh was cannibalism. And cannibalism was strictly prohibited uh, by God. And so that's why they were horrified. And if you read on there in John 6, it says that they all turned away. And all he was left with was the 12. I just read that there. Um, In verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think when you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. We read there in John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Without me or apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's what he's reiterating here. It's, this, it's the spirit of God who gives us life. And without him, human effort accomplishes nothing. And that's why when people try to, to pay for their sins or when people try to do good things to make God happy with them or like them, uh, you know, it's futile because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're throwing a, a, a filthy rag in the face of the father because he gave everything he had, his son, to die in our place so that we could be saved and come back and be reconciled to the father, brought back into his family in total right standing. Before you, as you stand before God today, if you have asked Jesus into your life, if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, and that he died on the cross for your sins. And that he was raised from the dead so you could be acquitted. You know what the word acquitted means? It means when the judge puts up his gavel and he says, case dismissed. That's what Jesus being raised from the dead did for all of us. Caste. No matter what happened, no matter what you did, no matter what was done to you, God has already made provision for you to be brought back into right relationship with him. And that's what righteousness is. And it is something that cannot be earned. We cannot do enough good things. Of course the Lord wants us to lead a good life on this earth. Of course he wants us. Uh, to do, to be nice and to be kind and to be—he wants us to bear fruit for him. But those fruits are not the basis of our salvation. Jesus Christ, his son, the Messiah on the cross, is what has saved us, and nothing else. That's why we sing that song, Cornerstone. Uh, you know, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are (coughs) spirit and life. So the word of God has the spirit of God in it, and has the life of God in it. And life flows through the word of God. And that is how a person's life is transformed, by coming to know the Lord, and by starting to study and learn and understand his word. That revelation turns on the lights and transforms that person, drawing them out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of light. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so... Uh, And Jesus went on to say, but some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones wouldn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? So you've got this picture of, of Jesus, you know, right before he went to the cross. Um, looking at his, at, the, at the 12 uh, apostles who were, who were with him for three and a half years. And he looked at them and he said, are you going to leave like all of those have left? And Peter answered, look what Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Where can we go? For you have the words of life. Yeah. And if you want to look back at your life, before you knew the Lord, you know, what was your life like? And do you want to go back there? Because, you know, there, there is no going backwards in, in the kingdom of God. Amen. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of advancement. Amen. It's a kingdom of building. And, and the Lord wants to build your life. He, he has put you on this earth for such a time as this. To, to accomplish things for him, but they won't be accomplished in your own steam, in your own achievements, in your own pride, in your own strength or your own abilities. They will only be accomplished as you are attached to the vine. And as, you, as your soul is prospering, so the rest of your life will prosper. And you will see doors open and breakthrough. But for those who, who are uh, detached from the vine, and, and Jesus spoke that, we read it there in John 15, he said, a branch that has been cut off or that has, has uh, broken off will wither and die and it will produce no fruit and it will be useful for nothing except starting a fire. And, you know, at the end of time, uh, at the end of this age, when the Lord comes back and, and uh, you know, or, or before that, if, if, if we go to be with the Lord before that, you know, it will be me and him. It will be you and him. And all of those things that we've had, whether it's been wealth or whether it's been success or achievement or, or property or, or whatever, a great name on this earth, none of that means anything. <clears throat> and it will all be burnt up. And the only thing that will remain is souls. That's all God is interested in. He's interested in salvation. And it's, you know, as I've been saying the last few weeks, it's time for the church to start looking at other people with the same eyes that God looks Amen. at us with. That's, right. That's why he said, you know, that as I have loved you, so you are to love each other. Yeah. And, and in John 13, he said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. And, and this pointing of the finger, criticizing, you know, churches, uh, Christians, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. neighbours, communities, you know, falling apart. Uh, it, it, that's how the enemy causes uh, breakdown: is, is by creating division and by creating, uh, you know, problems that people focus on, where they're focusing on the negative and focusing on the false. If only we would look. at at the good in people and and start to say, well, Lord, I thank you that, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm not where I was and look where they are. That could be me, uh, you know, or that was me so long ago. Meg, you often say that. How would we react, you know, uh, to different things that we hear uh, if it was us 30 years ago or before we knew the Lord? You know, So we are in a privileged position and we should never take pride in that. And you'll often see that in a lot of, of, I'm sad to say, in a lot of Christians is there's a massive element of pride and superiority and looking down at other people. And, and how is that going to bring revival? How is that going to bring in the harvest? You know. And so, anyway, just to get back to John six fifty six, Anyone who eats my flesh, that word eat... Translates as who chews on my body, who gnaws on my body, or who crunches my body. There are three words uh, um, uh, from the Greek uh, of what that word means. So, you know, there are uh, the the Greek and the Hebrew language are are so much more expansive than the English language. And so when when it was translated into English, we have very restrictive understanding of it. And so Jesus wasn't telling people here to eat his physical body. What he was telling us to do was to chew on and to gnaw and, and to take into us what he was accomplishing on the cross in his body. He was beaten and whipped for our healing. And so he said, anyone who eats my flesh, and that word flesh translates to mean the flesh that's been stripped of skin. And we're told in Isaiah 53 that when they whipped him, that his flesh and even his bones were visible for all to see. That's how much of a a, a, a tormenting uh, beating and whipping and, and mutilation that Jesus took, that his body was ripped apart. And it says he did that so that our bodies could be healed. And then he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood... And that word drinks there translates to mean receive into the soul. So with that scripture we had earlier on in in 3 John verse 2. uh, Beloved, I pray above all else that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul is prospering. Well, as we take communion and as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, when we take that cup, what we're doing is we are receiving into our soul a refreshment Um, It means also nourishment unto life eternal. So we are, what we're doing is we're partaking of this symbolic um, gesture, this symbolic uh, encounter with the Lord where we take the bread and we say, Jesus, this bread, this cracker, this piece of, you know, whatever bread you're taking, this was once a whole piece, but somebody smashed it and broke it up. And that's exactly what happened to your body. Your body was perfect but your body was broken, and it it was broken so that I could be healed. And as you uh, digest and take that in and gnaw and and chew on that, what happens is is that your outlook uh, on your own physical body and on others completely changes, and you say... You know, by his stripes, we were healed. Amen. Healing is a covenant that I have with God. Amen. And and he wants us to be healed. Amen. He wants us to be physically strong. He doesn't want people sick and lame and blind and, and, and uh, paralyzed or, or, you know, full of cancer and dying off. That is not God's will. Amen. And it has been preached that His will, and it's not his will. Amen. And uh, so, and when we drink the cup, when we take the cup, what we're doing is we're receiving refreshment into our soul, you know, and what refreshment that is, is that that pain and burden of sin and of how could I ever make myself right with God has been broken off us. Those chains of, of, uh, you know, of, of bondage and sin are broken off us and we are made right with God and that's why we take the cup and we remember what he did for us, amen? And so he says, whoever does this, uh, drinks my blood, and that blood there translates to mean the atoning blood of Christ, the blood that was shed by violence and murder. You see, Jesus, you know, he, and, and again, I go back to these pictures that you see, what they call holy pictures. They are not holy pictures. That Jesus that you see up in that crucifix, that is not what he looked like. He he was he was brutalized so much that they said he didn't even look human up on that cross, and so Jesus, you know, he had a brutal and violent death, and he did that. We read it in John fifteen. No greater love has any man than this to lay down his life for his friends, and he, you know, that's what he said. You are my friends. You're no longer my servants. You are my friends. Because a master does not confide in his servants. But I have confided in you. And I have chosen you. And so that's why we take communion. And that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's not some empty ritual that's just kind of fill in 10 minutes at the end of church. It is the high point of our faith where we are saying, uh, you know, to all of heaven, all of earth, and all of uh, the demons This is what Jesus Christ did for me. And by his stripes, I am healed. I have, healing is my portion. Healing is the covenant he made with me. And forgiveness and mercy. uh, I have a covenant of peace with God because of his blood. Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How are we fixed for time? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to break bread today. If you'd like to partake with us. Um, you can have a get a drink and a biscuit. And um, we're gonna break bread and celebrate the Lord's Supper and um, one more scripture I just wanna look at is in uh, while we're doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Is in Ezekiel forty seven. Can be on more. If we understand this, and if we understand the Spirit of God who's, who's moving and flowing in our lives because of Jesus. No, no, no. Thanks, Jeremy. of Adam's sin, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and when they they disobeyed God, and we read it there, you know, Jesus mentioned it several times in John 15, if you obey, if you remain in me, you will obey my commandments. Well, that's how the enemy came in, is he tricked Adam and Eve to, to disobey God, because God had said, you can eat from any tree in this garden, but that one you cannot eat from. Don't ever eat from that tree because it it, it will bring instant spiritual death. And that's how the enemy came. He came as a serpent. He's always a a cunning, sneaky uh, enemy. He sneaks up on people and he traps them. And that's exactly what he did to Eve and to Adam. He trapped them and deceived them and got them to, to doubt God. It's where doubt and unbelief came in. He got them to doubt what God had said. You, you won't die, he said. No, you won't die. In fact, you will become like a god yourself if you eat from that tree. And so he not only created doubt in Eve and in Adam, because Adam was standing right there with her, but he also created a sense of inferiority as in that God was actually holding out on them and that if they ate from that tree, that they would become the same as God. But it was a small g, if you look at the, the um, in Genesis, it was a small g for God. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't God, the God of heaven. And so when they ate that, instantly, the spirit of God left them. And that's why they looked at each other and said, you're naked. And, and he said, you're naked as well. And then they went and they tried to sew up some leaves together to cover up uh, to cover themselves up, and that is what mankind has, has always does you know where there 's sin, it, 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 it makes uh, it breaks the connection with God. it happens at whatever age the child gets the use of reason. it can be you know nowadays, maybe it 's a bit younger that kids are, are so much smarter, but maybe seven, eight, nine, ten, when a child knows and understands that what they 're about to do is wrong, and they do it. That's when sin comes in and that connection with God is broken. And that's why you can look at a little baby or a young child and, you know, they can, uh, you just see the purity and, and the holiness of God in them. And then, you know, at some point <laughs> later on, something changes and suddenly that child becomes like all the other adults. And uh, that's where sin came in, when they disobeyed God and broke his covenant. And that's when the Spirit of God went. And that's why Jesus had to come as a man, as a human being. He had to come as one of us in order to live and walk on this earth as all of us do. But he never sinned. And it was his sinless blood that he shed at the cross that made us, uh, that brought us back into right standing with God. And when we understand that, that's where our, our soul, our emotions, our mind, our heart uh, gets transformed and changed. And we understand that we don't have to be any big person to, to have God like us. That we don't have to have, you know, uh, do a million things to hurt ourselves or to, or to make ourselves um, or to give away loads of, you know, everything we have or, or whatever in order to make ourselves right with God. We have been made right with God by the blood of Jesus. And that's what we're celebrating. Amen. Amen. So let's take the bread. And as I said, um, actually, I'll just have a look at at Isaiah chapter 53 and just read it for you. Um, And how he reconnected us to God was by his spirit, was by his Holy Spirit. Um, so God is the father. Jesus is the son who is the face of God, really. I suppose God came down in, in human form. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. And that's why Jesus said, it's better if I go back to the father, because Jesus, as a man, was only in one place at the one time. But when he went back to the father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit You know, God is omnipotent. He is everywhere at once. And so the Holy Spirit uh, lives inside of us. When somebody reaches out and calls upon the name of Jesus, their, their life is transformed and their spirit connection to God is reconnected by the power of his Holy Spirit, who now comes to live inside of that person. And that's how we can have relationship with God and how we can sit down with the Lord and, and talk to him and, and study his word and hear how he loves us and, and you know carry out the mission and the appointment that he has put us on this earth for. And in Isaiah 53... This is why we take the bread in verse 4. It was our weaknesses, our pains he carried. So sickness is a curse. And, uh, you know, not only did Jesus pay the price for our sins and all of mankind's sins on the cross with his blood, but by laying down his body and by his body being broken and giving his body, he, he he was whipped and beaten so that we could be healed. And so healing is a covenant right of any child of God. Amen. It was our weaknesses, our pains he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. So grief and depression... Uh, you know, oppression, maybe sadness about things that have happened in the past. Uh, Maybe, you know, many people grieve for the things that didn't happen, for lost dreams, lost children, lost whatever. You know, people, grief affects people and it affects their physical bodies and it manifests as sickness and disease. And so Jesus, you know, on that cry, when he was being beaten, when he was being rejected and abused, they pulled out his beard, they spat at him, All these people who he had loved and who he came to save, they rejected him. So he took that grief on himself so that we could be set free from it. Mm -hmm. And so that we could uh, be healed in our hearts and minds and our soul. And so it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. That's what they were speaking at the cross Oh, look, here he was. He went around healing people. He can't even save himself. God, you know, and, and, and that's what they spoke, that God was punishing him because he was evil. Because, of course, in Deuteronomy, it says, anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And so when people would see someone crucified, that was symbolic that that person was cursed. And that's why Jesus said he became cursed so that we could be set free. Hallelujah. And so uh, he was pierced for our transgressions and our rebellion. So it was our sins that pierced his hands. They pierced his hands, uh, you know, down here by the bone, by the wrist bone. That's where they pierced him. They didn't pierce him here because it's it's soft tissue and it would tear on the cross. They pierced him here at the bone, and they pierced his feet right through the bone. Imagine the pain and the suffering that he went through. And so that was for our sins. He paid the price for our sins with those nails that he took in his body and it was he was crushed and bruised for our iniquities the things coming down the generations generational curse generational sin generational sicknesses and disease generational abuse or violence or torment those things coming down the generations he was beaten Uh, and bruised and you know bruises uh, are internal they can't be seen maybe for a couple of days then suddenly the skin changes color but you know that's why Jesus he took that beating and those bruises were for the things that can't be seen that are handed down the generation you know alcoholism all kinds of addictions those things are iniquities and you know they're never visible in the child when the baby's born but they are there because they're coming down the generations. And unless somebody knows the word of God and knows how to pray and to say, this stops now here with the blood of Jesus, no longer will this afflict my children, my grandchildren, or any of my descendants, because I declare that by the blood of Jesus, that thing is broken because Jesus became cursed for me. Hallelujah. And so that's what the iniquities, that's what he was dealing with. And you see, our covenant with God, it's a speaking covenant. Our our creative power that we have made in the image and likeness of God is a, 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 um, a creative power because it says that we are made in his image and likeness. And God spoke. He, he said, let there be light, and there was light. So we have that same speaking power, that there's life released through our words. Amen. And that is why understanding and knowing the word of God and understanding what communion is about and what it's not about is so important that we can speak that to the enemy and to the demons. And that's why when the 72 came back to Jesus, they said, Jesus, Jesus, Even the demons are subject to us in our name. They do what we tell them to do. We can cast out demons. We can lay hands on the sick and they're being healed in your name. And this is why. Because he paid the price so that all of us could be set free from every demonic assignment and and attachment that Satan has ever put on any family or any person and on their lives. So he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. And by his stripes, we are healed. He was whipped so that we could be healed. They whipped him with a whip. They didn't just, you know, give him a whack on the backside with some kind of a a ruler or a rod. They whipped him with a cat and nine tails. The, The Romans were experts at malicious, vicious violence. They were not nice, uh, you know nice uh, oppressors, and so they, d- they devised this method of, of this whip, this long whip that had at least nine strands. it was called a cat of nine tails, and they put shards of, of iron and, and various other uh, things that would rip the, the, the flesh of the one being whipped, and he was whipped. Uh, And all of his flesh was exposed. And he did that so that you and I could be healed. And so we have to understand this. That as we take the bread and take the cup, we are eating. Remember, if you, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You must understand and gnaw and chew on what my body is going to accomplish for you and what my blood is going to break off of you and bring you back into right standing with God. And that's where there's freedom. That's why we can sing, it was for freedom that Christ has set me free. Hallelujah. Where the spirit of the Lord is,
1: there is freedom.
0: Amen. So let's take the bread. Let's say this together. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I thank you you. that you laid down your life life. for me. me. You chose me. I didn't choose you. you. And all my human efforts efforts. it can accomplish nothing but in you you. attached to you you. as I remain in your love I I can do all things things. through Christ Christ. who strengthens me. Lord I eat your, this Bread. Lord, I eat the bread, and I remember, Lord, I remember what you did for me. You did for me. Your, body was Your body was broken, so that I could be healed, so I could be healed. and, made whole. and I made whole. In my spirit, in my, spirit. In, my soul. in my soul, and in my physical body, I eat healing, and I, healing. And I, thank, you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for healing me.
1: For healing me. Amen. 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 And take
0: the bread. Just take the cup. We used to take little cups of grape juice and you know uh crackers, but of course since COVID (laughs) it's all individual (laughs) drinks and and wrapped biscuits now. So anyway. Let's take the cup. Lord Jesus. Jesus. You shed your blood you shed your blood your sinless blood, your sinless blood. So, that I could be saved. so that I could be saved I could never save myself I could never save myself I could never pay enough I could never pay enough, pay enough for, the price, for the price that my sins deserved. but Jesus but Jesus you laid down your you life laid down your, you your life, life. So that I could be made right with God. Brought back into his family. Rescued from the kingdom of darkness. And brought into the light of your love. Thank you Jesus. I celebrate your death. And your resurrection. Until you come again. Come Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, one important part of understanding the body and blood of Jesus is that it's what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Uh, And he said, as you have forgiven me my sins, we have to forgive others their sins. And unforgiveness and bitterness... Is something that can give the devil an open door uh, to bring destruction into a person's life. Whether that's death or sickness or infirmity or, or whatever. And unforgiveness can travel in families. It can come down the generations. And unforgiveness is not necessarily towards another person. Often the unforgiveness is towards the person themselves. That they can't forgive themselves. So let's just pray in that manner. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus you have forgiven, me, you have forgiven me, and me. And washed me. I am clean. I, am clean. I, thank, you, Jesus, I thank you Jesus. For forgiving me of for forgiving my sins. Of my sins. And, now, and now. In the same manner. I choose to forgive those. Who have hurt me. Who have, me, who have sinned against me. I release, I
1: release
0: all offence, all, all, all bitterness out of my life, out of my, life, out of my, heart, out of my heart, and I thank you, and I thank you. For bringing, your peace for bringing your peace into my heart, into my heart instead. instead. And I choose today, I choose today to, forgive to forgive myself for the wrong things I did, for the, I did. For the, way, I for the way I sinned or treated others. Or treated others. I, repent I repent of holding on forgiveness against, against, against myself. And I choose today, and I choose today to forgive. To forgive myself, myself. Yeah. think about that for a minute you need to forgive yourself um, maybe you need to forgive maybe a parent maybe you need to forgive somebody who is an authority over you as a child you need to just release it because it's poison and it contaminates and defiles and that contamination and poison and defilement manifests in the physical body as sicknesses and disease it manifests in the mind and the heart and the emotions as mental disorders and so lord we just pray today that you would give a clear discernment and understanding into that area lord that forgiveness is key to receiving (coughs) breakthrough and healing and i just release now upon you a fresh uh, i just feel the power of god i thank you father I thank you for that anointing, Holy Spirit, that you are touching people and healing them. Lord, uh, you know, you may need to forgive a doctor from the past. Maybe something went on uh, in, in, in your past uh, or even in your family where, where somebody perhaps who was, who was meant to help you or minister to you, you need to forgive them and let it go because it's, it's only poisoning you. And just because we forgive somebody, you know, we what, what the Lord said: "Vengeance is mine; I will repay." God is the judge, not us, Amen. and we are not to judge. And that's what often brings tension and anxiety into people's bodies, into their backs and their necks and and hips and joints, is because you know there's been judgment and fault finding and criticism, and those things manifest uh, as physical ailments. So just release today. In the name of Jesus, the power of forgiveness and release. And receive it yourself. Receive that because God has forgiven you. Jesus said, you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He said, though your sins are as red as scarlet, I have made them as white as snow. Hallelujah. Imagine. Think about that. Turn around and tell your neighbor, you're glowing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're radiant. You are radiant. You're shining with the radiance of God. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray today in Jesus' name that we each of us would receive your love and your power and your healing in Jesus' name. Open the
1: eyes of the